Mark chapter 10 is our text this morning. I want to talk to you today on the subject of broken windows. In 1504, Copernicus developed a theory called the heliocentric theory that suggested that the earth revolves around the sun. Now you have to understand this was a revolutionary idea at the time because, and it was actually a very controversial idea because everybody knew at that point in time that the earth was the center of the universe and the universe rotates around the earth. Some decades later, Galileo studied medicine and mathematics at the University of Pisa And he was introduced to a new invention called the spyglass, which we now have come to be known as the telescope. He used the spyglass to examine the moon and other bodies in the sky. In fact, he was the one who first discovered the first four moons that were discovered around Jupiter. And so through his studies of astronomy and mathematics, he began to pick up on Copernicus' theory And in 1609, he shared his observations that it was the earth, in fact, not, uh, or excuse me, it was was that the earth, in fact, rotated, revolved rather, around the sun. It was the heliocentric theory that Copernicus had come up with. Galileo was able to support it with mathematics, and the earth, in fact, was not the center of the universe. There was a problem, however. The Catholic Church considered it dogma that the universe was geocentric or orbited the earth, that the earth was the center of everything, that mankind was the center of all creation. And when Galileo published papers about his theory, he was brought before the Catholic Inquisition. He was eventually uh, condemned as a heretic and sentenced to spend the rest of his life under house arrest. And there he eventually died in January 1642. The thing was, he was right. The earth is not the center of the universe, and the commonly held assumptions and beliefs that were reinforced and dogmatized by the Catholic Church were in fact wrong, which they did eventually admit almost 350 years later, in January of 1991. Why do we have such a hard time challenging our assumptions? Why are we so afraid of having our assumptions challenged? You see, we all have certain ideas and values and lenses through which we interpret everything we encounter in life. It's like a window through which we see the world. And we all have our windows. If you look in a house from the outside through a window, you may have certain understandings and assumptions about that house, but the thing is, when you're looking through the window, you're only seeing one wall of the house. The wall you're looking at may be a rock wall. It may be like designed around a mantle and be all decorative and everything. And you assume that the whole house is rock. It's a rock house. 
But in fact, that's because it's the only wall you see, you make that assumption. But if you were to go inside and look around, you find out the rest of the house is sheetrock. But because you're looking through a certain window, you see everything in that house a certain way. And we all have these windows through which we see the world. And we all only see certain things in certain ways and from certain perspectives because that's the view from our window. Our windows consist of our beliefs and our assumptions about life. They're shaped by our experience and by our culture. It's our understanding of the way things are. But what happens when our windows get broken? What happens when we are confronted with the realization that things are not the way we thought they were? 9-11 was a broken window. It shattered the illusion that we're safe in our nation. Those of you that are under 21 cannot comprehend how much that shattered how we see the world as Americans. But it's not just matters of astronomy and terrorism that shatter our windows. Our health window gets shattered with news of things like cancer. Our security window gets broken when we get news of the workplace downsizing and we're getting laid off. Our family window gets shattered with news of unfaithfulness or painful decisions that others make on our behalf. Our faith window breaks when we realize that our assumptions about God are wrong. And that's exactly what happened to a young rich man who met Jesus one day to discuss spiritual matters. He had a certain window through which he looked at his life, but Jesus shattered his window and forever changed his understanding of the world, in fact, of eternity. In Mark chapter 10, verse 17, we read, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Now, now, hang on, stop right there for a second. All these I've kept as a boy. Now, picture it. Jesus is saying, you know the commandments. Do not steal. Got that one. Do not defraud. Right. Honor your father and your mother. Yep. With everything he checks off, his chest swells a little more with pride. I've got this down. Life is exactly the way I thought it was. Life is good. Got it covered. That was his window. I've been doing good all my life. This eternity thing, this this eternal life thing, I'm good. I'm good. Jesus, verse 21, looks at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, 
Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at that point, his window shatters. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And thus the man's window is broken and the world, eternity, in fact, is not what he assumed. Everything in his world is turned upside down. He thought by behaving well and, and by just being good and, 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 and doing what everybody else expected of him, he could earn his way into eternal life because after all, money has opened doors for him. He's always had the means to do by his own power. And Jesus then, by pointing to the one thing that had consumed his heart, shattered his window by which he knew the world. What happens when our windows are broken? What happens when our windows shatter? Imagine what went through this man's mind. Now we can infer that he was genuinely seeking, but there's this hint there that there's some pride and privilege in the fact that he's rich. Money makes a way after all, right? Only in his case, his money... In this case, did not make a way. His money stood in the way. Now, don't misunderstand. The issue was not the fact that he had money. It was the fact that money had him. Scripture gives clear instructions on how the rich are to follow Christ. And so, so wealth itself isn't bad. I mean, there were wealthy Christians. In fact, in Acts, they often went and sold their belongings to help the poor. And so... Uh, and, and he tells Timothy to give instructions to the rich of what they're to do with their wealth. And so being rich is not a sin. Having money is not a sin. But letting money have us becomes an idol through which we stop following Christ. Anything we trust more than Christ becomes an idol to our heart. It can be money. It can be position. It can be a job. It can be a relationship. Anything can become an idol if we put our trust in it instead of putting our trust completely in Christ. He thought good actions would bring him eternal life. He was oblivious to the fact that his wealth had a stranglehold on his spirit. His whole view of the world was wrong. And Jesus shattered his window with one instruction. The one thing you lack, he said in verse 21... Go sell everything you have. Give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. In other words, exchange this treasure that you're holding on to in earth and trusting in that. Give rid of that so that instead you can have treasure in heaven and trust in what I've provided for you in eternity. God sometimes shatters our windows and get this. Sometimes God shatters our windows on purpose. Sometimes they're shattered not because of our choices. Sometimes they're shattered because of the choices of others. And sometimes our windows are shattered simply because our illusions are discovered to be false. So whether it's God or whether it's someone else or whether it's our perception, whatever happens, 
When we have our windows broken, it sends us into a tailspin. What do we do when we realize that everything we've believed and everything we've assumed and everything we've worked for is wrong? What if we climbed the corporate ladder to find out that the ladder was leaning against the wrong building? Just like our nation was never the same after 9-11, and just like life never returns to normal after a life-threatening diagnosis or the loss of someone we love, once our windows are broken, we never see the world the same way again. We can't unsee what we see when the windows are broken. So what do we do? What do we do when life surprises us and admonishes us in this way and everything that we've built up is deconstructed before our eyes. What do we do? It's actually very simple. We either follow Jesus or we walk away. We follow Jesus or we walk away. It's very simple. Now, does that, that sounds a little simplistic, doesn't it? Pastor, I thought you were going to give me something really complex and profound. I thought, my goodness, you're going to school to learn all these things. Give us something that, that, that is worth your education here. I mean, don't just give me something simple like follow Jesus. It's really that simple. You either follow Jesus or you walk away. It's a, it's a binary decision. Yes, no, on, off, here, there. Follow him or walk away. That's really the only choice we have when everything is deconstructed around us. Jesus gave this man a choice. He said, you lack one thing. Here's what you need to do about it. Get rid of your stuff. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. In other words, Jesus' ultimate invitation to him was leave all that stuff, leave all the assumptions, leave all that that you have built your life upon every lie and false truth that you have believed. Leave that all behind and follow me. In other words, follow me or walk away. And the man chose to walk away. In verse 22, it says that this is the man's face fell. Could you, I mean... It's like deflating a balloon. His chest is puffed out with pride. I got this. This is good. I've been doing that since I was a kid. Jesus said, get rid of your stuff and follow me. And it's like... Just deflated him. And it says, he went away sad. But catch that. He went away. (laughs) He went away Sad because he had great wealth. The man chose, or excuse me, the man had to choose between his wealth and his soul, and he chose his wealth. He could not cope with a view other than the window he knew. Did you hear me? He could not cope with a view other than what he had already known. He could not allow his mindset to be deconstructed. He could not look through a different window. Call it denial, call it stubbornness, call it greed, whatever it is. When we choose to hold on to the way we thought things were and the way things were going to be, we are walking away from what Jesus has for us in the here and now. 
So here are the questions we must address. Will we only follow Jesus as long as he meets our expectations and desires? Or will we only follow him as long as life makes sense to us? If that's the only way we follow Jesus, we are not following Jesus. We are following an idol made in the image of Jesus. We are following a projection of Jesus that we see through our window. And when we do that, as soon as our expectations are not met, and as soon as our worldview is shattered, we can't see that Jesus anymore, and we don't know what to do with our lives anymore. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we following Jesus for real, or are we following a Jesus made in man's image? Toby Mack's statement, about his son's death. If you didn't, haven't heard this, Toby Mack is a Christian rapper, an incredible guy. His 21-year-old son uh, died suddenly a little over a week ago. I don't, I don't know the reason why, but it was unexpected. And Toby released a statement the next day, very profound. He said, we don't follow God because we have some sort of under-the-table deal with Him. Like, we'll follow you if you bless us. We follow God because we love Him. It's our honor. He is the God of the hills and the valleys. And He is beautiful above all things. That's faith. That is faith. So the next question then is how? How can we follow God when our life gets shattered, when our windows are broken? The first thing we must understand is this. God's love never changes. God's love never... Come on, somebody. God's love never changes. In verse 21, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now, I don't know about you, but it's kind of tempting to look at this smug, young, rich guy and and say, he thinks he's got it all together and... We might even get a little bit of enjoyment out of the fact that, okay, Jesus is about to pop that balloon and deflate him and bring that ego down a little bit. We might have a little bit of that attitude because secretly we wish we were the rich young ruler. We wish we had the stuff that he had. But Jesus didn't look at him and say, okay, I'm going to show this rich guy what's real. I'm going I'm to bring him down a peg or two. That's not what he said. Jesus looked at this man and loved him. He looked at him and said, really like you. I see something in you. And so that didn't change. And it was love that motivated Jesus here. Jesus loved this man even as he shattered his window. In fact, Jesus shattered his window because he loved him. God will shatter our windows or allow them to be shattered because he loves us. And because there is something greater on the other side of our windows being broken. If we will run to Him in our brokenness, even when our faith is deconstructed, there is a greater faith on the other side. It is only when our faith is tested to the breaking point that the foundations of our faith grow stronger and we find out that we truly can stand by faith. 
And it is God's love that allows this to happen. Now just imagine, just imagine if this rich young man had chosen Jesus instead of walking away. We might be reading a book of the New Testament that he wrote. He could have been right up there alongside the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. Jesus invited him to come follow me. He could have been among the twelve. <coughs> we could be reading about what it means to give away everything you have and choose something greater in Jesus through his eyes had he simply chosen Jesus. Who knows what his life might have been? <clears throat> when our windows are broken, that's not the time to run from Jesus. That's not the time to say, okay, God, I'm done. Can't do this anymore. That's the time to run to Him because He is the only one that can be the anchor in the storm. When our foundation is ruptured, He is the only one that can hold us steady and can bring us out safe on the other side. <coughs> Run to Him. And you say life doesn't make sense. That's the very reason that we run to Him. <clears throat> life will not make sense. In our, even our doctrine and our theology, the things that we think we understand about God are insufficient for things that happen in life sometimes. But our doctrine and our theology is not the same as Jesus Himself. Our doctrine is simply our attempt to wrap our brains about something that is so big we can't comprehend it. And so when our theology fails us, we run to the person of Jesus, not the idea of Jesus, but the real Jesus, the Son of God who took on flesh and gave His life and died for us that we can live forever. <coughs> and when we do that, it, when we run to Him, when we understand that God's love never changes and we allow Him to embrace us in the midst of our brokenness. He puts us in a position to where God can accomplish what we think is impossible. God accomplishes what we think could never be. <clears throat> Let's read the rest of this story. I've got one. Thank you. Um, Let's read the rest of this story because it doesn't end with the man walking away. In verse 23, as he watches this man walk down the road away from him, he turns to his disciples in verse 23. <clears throat> Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I've heard people try to explain that away, that the eye of the needle was a small door and a camel couldn't get through because its humps would get in the way. Please don't try to explain away the, the, the beauty of this statement. Please don't try to analyze it to death. He's talking about a needle. Put a camel through a needle. He said, that's ludicrous. Exactly. That's the point. And so <clears throat> he's saying it is easier for a rich man to get into heaven than to put that camel through the eye of the needle. Why? Because wealth consumes us if we love it too much. 
verse 26, the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Can we say that together? All things are possible with God. God can do the impossible if we will run to Him. You see, it is only when things are broken that we can find out what is really inside them. God will allow our windows to be broken so that we can find out what's really there. When He messes with how we view the world and all of our beliefs and assumptions, we get down to the heart of who we really are. So that's what Jesus was doing with this man. He went right to the heart of the real issues in this man's life. It was greed. It was pride. And Jesus went straight to it with laser precision when He said, Give away your belongings and follow Me. What would that be like? I mean, imagine. Some of us here are, you know, we're anywhere from lower middle class to upper middle class. And, and you know, we have stuff. I mean, I have the kind of stuff this guy had, but we got stuff. Imagine today if somebody came and just took your house away. They came with wreckers and loaded up your vehicles, hooked up your camper and left. They leave you with nothing, absolutely nothing. What would you do? Everything I have is gone. Then your family says, I'm not dealing with this anymore, and they walk away, and you're left alone. Could you imagine the despair? Could you imagine the sense of, my life is over? I'm done. I might as well die. Now, that's kind of an extreme example, but many of us have been in those moments where it feels like everything has been taken away from us, and we feel like, okay, that's it, I can't do this anymore, and I'm absolutely done. And we feel like it's the end. That's what it felt like for this man. If I give all my stuff to the poor, I'll have nothing left, and I won't know who I am anymore. And that's exactly what Jesus was trying to get him to because when he discovered that his identity was not in his wealth, when he came to follow Jesus, he would find out then that his true identity could be found in Jesus. And that's why Jesus broke his window. Because when Jesus gets to the root of who we are, then he can begin to show us what he wants us truly to be. And when He begins to rebuild our faith and rebuild our identity and rebuild who we are, we may feel like it's the end of all things, but it's actually the beginning of the best things. When God allows our view of the world to be shattered, when He allows our faith to be deconstructed, It is because He wants to put us back together in such a way that sets us up for the miraculous, for the impossible. He wants to do a miracle in our lives. (coughs) I don't know what windows are broken in your life today. Maybe there's a lost dream, a disappointment, maybe even a betrayal. As our worship team comes, I want you to understand today 
I'm not minimizing that brokenness. I'm not saying just keep looking through that broken window and hang on. I'm saying that as you are dealing with that broken window and your world is no longer clear, that you have a simple choice today. You can either run to Jesus or you can walk away from Him. Scripture tells us today, choose this day who you will serve. God said, I set before you life and death. Choose life. You see, when our lives, when our lives are deconstructed, it's only because we built it on the wrong foundation. And God wants to reconstruct it in a way that brings us to a place to be fully alive in Him. What are your broken windows? Jesus loves you even as your windows shatter. He could be setting you up to accomplish the impossible through you. And so today, would you bring the shards of your broken windows to the altar? Would you bring them to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to run to you. I'm going to follow you no matter what. It's simple, but my goodness, it's not easy. It's simple, but yet it's profound. Cling to Him. Cling to Him. Because there's something better on the other side. Can we stand together?